0: Are you experienced? Have you ever been experienced? with another episode of The Anarchist Experience, episode 465, a.k.a. Year 9, Week 41. Coming at you this week, as always, I'm your host, Mr. Richie Rich, along with...
1: MC and... KS.
0: And since this is your regularly scheduled Saturday broadcast, we are live on the old clubhouse around 3 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, Saturday afternoons is when we do that thing there. And let me just say, um, for all the planning that I did. it's nice to have like the intro music back cuz i i foobarred that last week like i you know i put on a thumb drive i had like the programs that i needed to do the show to edit the show after the fact i had all the the links and logins and passwords for every place that i had to like upload the show you know i had the uh, i had the code like the back end code for for audacity to you know put in all the metadata incorrect and i forgot the fucking intro music and that's why last week there was no intro music if you care i mean is, so back at my desk in my shitty little apartment here but at least at least i know that i have everything i need sitting in front of me and i you know hopefully hopefully won't make that
2: mistake again uh, well, i love the intro music it's the rock enough concerto two i think that um I first heard of this from Fred James, the radio host of Alaska and Hawaii fame.
0: Well, it was your recommendation to go with that music, and then I spliced in the the Jimi Hendrix lyrics there. Um, but still, <laughs> we didn't have it last week when I was like in studio with you guys, live and in person in Hawaii, right? But I, I took—I thought I had gotten like all the files, folders, links that I needed. Uh, surely enough, missed one, and. No, no way to recover it, you know, on short notice. Like I could have downloaded the old file and cut it out and ran it, but you know, by the t- by the time we were getting started, is forget about it. Um, but there's that, and I think Fred is is sitting outside. I don't know if he raises his hand and if he wants to join us. Um, he's more than welcome to do that. But what is going on with you guys this week? Uh, not much. <laughs> mm, well, there, there was a yeah. question posed about Robert Kennedy's
2: third yeah, I, party uh, run. I, 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 he seems to be more prominently featured in social media, and uh, it seems that there's... Uh, I, I don't know if that's just that that's the kind of social media that I'm on or following, but I'm wondering if there's any chance, because people um, do seem to be frustrated with the choices they have in the, in yeah. the ele- election so far, so maybe there's a chance for him to
0: make a third-party appearance. Well, you've been through more election cycles than me, KS, and I spent little time with history, as it were. Uh, has there ever been a time, and if so, how long ago did – was an incumbent president running for a second term beaten out by someone of his own party in the primaries? Well,
2: like, not by someone of his own – well, in a way, I guess um, Ross Perot was probably the one time that comes to my mind – about when, um, because Ross Perot had been probably Republican but independent, and he was frustrated with uh, George Bush Sr. at that time, right. and uh, George Bush had become very popular because of the Persian Gulf War success back in 1991 in which um, there was a a quick and successful victory, and so he appeared on the gallup polls at the highest point of approval of any american president since world war ii and so the big guns in the democratic party chose not to run against him they thought oh there's no chance of running against him so that obscure um governor from arkansas thought well okay i'll i'll try and run see what happens and ross perot got into the race and he actually got into the debates too because he was he he with his Wealth and his uh, fame for having having rescued uh, some of his employees from the Iranian Revolution um, he was quite a popular figure. Was uh, talking a populist notion about uh, you know the budget debt and uh, and trade some issues, and so Ross Perot got into the debates. He had enough um, um, of a showing in the, in the public opinion polls that got him into the. Um, Qualified for the debates. Since then, they've made it more difficult for a third-party person to get into the debate. Exactly. But um, I guess my point is that the Robert, last time
0: I remember, my point is that Robert Kennedy's a Democrat, right? Like, oh, well, you
2: could have said that Ross Perot had been a Republican before,
0: right? But but even he could not uh, could not put up a fight as a Republican, right? Like he had to go a different route.
2: He started his own party. United yeah. we stand was his party. Well, there no. you
0: go. So, my my you know my question still stands, and if the answer is never, that's fine too. But has has the uh, has the incumbent ever been deposed in a primary, right? Like in the, his own party? Yeah, yeah. Mm. That, that's what I mean with primary. Like in, in the general election, sure. You, you know Donald Trump, just the last one was the incumbent and did not win re-election. Uh, but it's it's it always seems odd to me like they have they have their party right Mm -hmm. they're they're within the party they go through the party politics and then as soon as they go like well i can't beat this guy in the primary right i i can't even win my own party i'm going to try to beat him outside the party and it seems you know like if if you can win you can win within and then you ought not go without Right, whereas like the the third parties, the Libertarian Party, the Constitution Party, the Green Party, you know, whatever whatever third party pops up, is generally people who don't fit in um, the two the other two parties. Right, like they're
2: they may lean certain ways, but their policies well, are different. It, and it it might have happened, except for the assassination of Robert Kennedy, because he had just won Super Tuesday, the California primary, and all the primaries. Um, Uh, campaigning against uh, Lyndon Johnson, who was, uh, you know, running for re-election and uh, had been defeated in the polls because of the unpopularity of the Vietnam War and the popularity of Robert Kennedy Sr. And that may be the sort of the encouragement that Robert Kennedy Jr. takes, that, that, yeah, you can do it um, in your own party, except for assassination. And And that's why he's especially careful with that, too.
1: And not only that, but... uh Biden is really unpopular right now. Well, that's why. Just just, you
0: know, he's unpopular. He's running unopposed basically, you know. He's he's not even on the ballot in some in some places including New Hampshire, right? They have to do a write-in campaign for him. You would think that that unpopular of an incumbent and I guess Robert Kennedy is popular amongst his people, you know, c- could pay the way could pave the way for something historic um, in over in, you know in overcoming the incumbent during the primary season and then going on to fight Donald Trump or whomever most likely Donald Trump in the general election? like if if people are that dissatisfied with their two choices, wouldn't they wouldn't they take Robert Kennedy in a primary as opposed to waiting for him to try a third party run, which typically fails? typically fails in the example of ross perot right just shows how entrenched the incumbents are the incumbent parties are because he got the closest and they immediately changed the rules all right they're yeah. like, no more of this because of this guy and no one's gotten that close since and that was what like 30 years ago
2: yeah 91 okay mm-hmm.
0: so. so if they're you know if they're not going to change the rules obviously and if third parties have a history of not being successful, right, why not just put your best foot forward in the primary? Like, there, you know, there are theorists, strategists, whomever, um, that will make the claim that most of the work that gets done within the party happens prior to the federal general election, right? Like, if you really want to impact party politics, uh, you have to do it on the local, state, and primary levels, you know, going to the meetings, voting on uh, policy points or whatever and getting all of that done, like picking the primary challengers well ahead of uh, the, the populist voting.
1: And in, in that case, you need to join the CIA and then you can pick who's going to be the next president. OK, then. I mean, like that's the other thing.
0: Right. If like if there is a path, take it. If that's what it, if you want to have that level of
1: control. <laughs> You know, start young. (laughs) Okay, true, but um, uh, these unelected government institutions um, have a tendency of of the shit rising to the top. So you'd have to be shit for a really long time and, uh, you know, basically be evil and and corrupt and uh, then then you get to pick.
0: Yes, you are correct. And that's, you know, that's, one of the reasons why, in in my humble opinion, libertarianism will never succeed in that realm um, is because people hang on to principles too strongly.
1: Or just wait for everybody to be so discontent with the people that the CIA is picking and somebody else popular comes along and wins. Somebody like Trump, uh, even though he's not the brightest of the bunch, um... But uh, somebody maybe like Javier.
0: Will I? Okay, let's talk about that real quick then. Do you think that that's possible anywhere else? Or was there something unique uh, to the Argentinian situation that allowed him to be successful with that platform well, at this time?
1: It wasn't just his platform. Um, he made a deal uh, with uh, – they had, they had multiple parties. And he made a deal to consolidate with another party. And that gave him the edge. So,
0: okay. So he had a strategy. And same question though: would that would that work elsewhere, or is there something sure. unique?
1: Maybe, maybe it'll work for RFK.
0: So which which parties would he be trying to consolidate? Like all the third parties?
1: The United
0: mm. Third Parties of America.
1: Well, so RFK would have to make a deal with the Democrats, basically. Okay. Either join the Democrats or the join, Democrats join him, which that, that doesn't seem... Well,
0: like I mean, he's already a Democrat. Moments. Like, how hard, how difficult is that? Well, well, right now
1: he's independent, so...
0: <laughs> okay. And, I, I, you know, much like we have the term rhino, in name only, uh, I would suggest independent, in name only, because he would not be successful within the Democrat Party uh, where he belongs. I don't know. He probably would be.
1: If they let him compete,
0: well, so so they won't let him compete. How is he supposed to make a deal with
1: them, right? Like you run because you run. Because, because they know uh, Biden's going to lose. Okay, then they have to replace him with somebody,
0: and so they'll welcome him back in with open
1: arms. Maybe they can make a deal. I don't know. Okay,
0: all right. But even 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 then, right? It's still a two party thing. It's we're we're right back okay. to Republicans yeah, and Democrats. But a united front, a united third-party front, right, aside from, you know, aside from the Green Party, or maybe even the Green Party, like, what's, what's the real differentiating policy points that keeps the, you know, the other third parties from coming together as one? Fight for the common good of taking down the Republicans and the Democrats. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> no, I'm asking. It's a serious question, right? Like, why, why wouldn't the Constitution Party just integrate with the Libertarians? Why wouldn't the Communist and Socialist Party just integrate with the Greens? Maybe that's where you stop, but, you know, question still arises. Like, is there, is there enough common ground to defeat a common enemy and then part ways?
1: I don't know. I'm still asking why why people get elected and they say, well, we, we swear to uphold the constitution and then they get in office and they don't. So, <laughs> well, yeah, no,
0: because no, okay. Because no one calls them on it and there is no consequence for
2: violating. Well, there's such a different interpretation of what the constitution is. I think it's a, been stretched by the Supreme court to mean whatever you want it to mean, you know, the interstate commerce clause and the necessary and proper clause have pretty much, um, uh, castrated the, much of the Constitution. Sure. And so it's 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 again a useless, pointless document
0: at this point. And then so was the, so were the elections then. Fine. So you know, like my 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 point was, you know, there's there's no consequence for not doing it, right? Is it's it's the fuck around and find out without the find out, right? If you tell someone fuck around and find out and they continuously fuck around and they never find out, then they will forever fuck around. And if you, you know, if you allow them to declare whatever they want to be constitutional without reprisal, without pushback, without penalty, then you end up where we are, which is that they just declare it to be so. Right? And then there's challenges. There's going to be a constitutional challenge on whatever issue and then they will decide whether or not this thing is Constitutional or not, right? But they've they've declared so many things, as noted, to be constitutional that it's clearly not. That it's useless. It's pointless. It's 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 time for them to find out. And I don't think you know my po- my general position is they don't find out at the voting booth because that's that's their game. That's that's how they operate. That's the system within they are most successful. The find out has to be external to. The realm of politics. Headlines? Sure. sure. All
2: right.
0: <laughs> All right. You guys got nothing to say. Here we go. Uh, headline, why did cops point a gun at a burning Gaza protester? Headline, why painting without a license could soon be illegal in Minnesota? Headline, Nintendo is suing makers of an open source Switch emulator, YUSU. Uh, headline, Congress continues to make the tax code ridiculously hard to understand? Headline, why is Panera exempted from California's new minimum wage law? Uh, headline, Honolulu is on the hook for another $100,000 defending ex-cops sued over Makaha crash. Uh, headline, how rich people create poverty. Headline, is the government now in the elder abuse business? And finally, headline, Wendy's denies surge pricing allegations, but what's so bad about experimentation? Mm.
2: Where would you guys oh, like to start? Always, they all sound sound interesting. But I'd kind of I'm I'm curious to know what this thing about. Uh, I didn't know that that fast food restaurants did surge pricing. Oh, they don't. Um, they don't.
0: But Wendy's threatened it, and the market response was harsh. And so they said, no, 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 we weren't.
2: But oh, here we okay. go. I didn't know that they had threatened it. I just heard that they had. Denied that they were going to do it. Yeah,
0: no, it was it it was all it all happened with within like a span of twenty four to forty eight hours. Uh, headline: Wendy's denies surge pricing allegations, but what's so bad about experimentation? Wendy's came under considerable fire this week after news broke that the fast food chain was planning to test a new dynamic pricing model, part of a twenty million dollar initiative experimenting with digital menu boards. The move was roundly condemned as an attempt to implement Uber-style surge pricing. And that's Uber, the drive-share mm-hmm. company, ride share company. There are people who view dynamic pricing as a rip-off, said restaurant analyst Mark Kalinowski when the news first broke. It won't fly and guests will be very upset, said restaurant consultant Arlene Spiegel. You can't surprise a guest with your meal will cost another 50 cents or $1 today. Senator Elizabeth Warren also joined the chorus of voices, objecting to the idea. (laughs) It's price gouging, plain and simple, she posted on X, and American families have had enough. Uh, Reacting to the backlash, Wendy's put out a statement on Tuesday clarifying their intentions. Uh, We said these digital menu boards would give us more flexibility to change the display of featured items, the statement says. This was misconstrued in some media reports as an intent to raise prices when demand is highest at our restaurants. We have no plans to do that and will not raise prices when our customers are visiting us most. Digital menu boards could allow us to change the menu offerings at different times of day and offer discounts and value offers to customers more easily, the statement continues, particularly in the slower times of day. Uh, Wendy's spokesperson, Heidi Schauer, echoed these remarks in a statement on Wednesday to clarify... Wendy's will not implement surge pricing, which is the practice of raising prices when demand is highest, she said. We didn't use that phrase, nor do we plan to implement that practice. There's, I'm going to interject real quick before we get too far away into the article. Uh, I would like to suggest that there is no functional difference between raising prices uh, when demand is highest and offering a discount when demand is lowest.
2: <laughs> exactly. Okay. And the, this whole thing is, well, if you don't mind my... Jumping in on it, it was accepted for years when AT&T had its monopoly over long distance telephone calls. You you always understood if you called during peak business hours, your rate was going to be higher. Everybody knows if you go to the movie theater in the evening, you're going to pay a higher rate than if you go to the matinee, or at least well, it used to be. But the matinee is the discounted show, right? They don't call it surge pricing. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah it's yeah, a discounted, right. discounted matinee. All right. Well, they could just call it the other way around.
0: That's what the, And they said that in the article already. That's why I wanted to pause and call that nonsense out real quick. Uh, there seems to be some tactical reframing going on here. It's much better marketing to say they are lowering prices during off-peak periods rather than say they're increasing prices during the surge. But as the economist Brian Albrecht has pointed out, that kind of amounts to the same thing. Could have just waited a paragraph. Further, while it's truly Wendy's never used the term surge pricing phrase, they did say dynamic pricing. And as the New York Post acutely pointed out, dynamic pricing is the term Uber used to describe its system, which adjusts prices up and down based on demand. So whether these statements from Wendy's are a genuine clarification of the plan all along or a panicked attempt at damage control seems to be an open debate. In any case, what's clear is that the burger eaters of the world have spoken and Wendy's is listening. Is surge pricing a good idea? For the sake of discussion, let's say that Wendy's was in fact planning to go ahead with surge pricing, as many people feared. Would this really have been such a bad thing? The truth is, there's pros and cons. The major con is, of course, that people ordering food at peak hours would have to pay more. Another downside might be the unpredictability of prices. If it's important to consumers that they can count on a specific price, dynamic pricing would be an annoyance for them. But there are upsides to consider as well. For one, charging more during peak business periods would encourage some customers to visit earlier or later in the day during the off-peak hours. This would have the f- effect of flattening the curve, uh, the daily curve, which would almost certainly re- re- uh, reduce wait times during peak periods. This is And the cost.
2: Yep of, uh, you know, because uh, then you don't have to hire as many people right at the rush hour time.
0: Yep, And keep them around, right? Because who knows what will happen pre pre thing, you know, after, like no no one wants to go in for a two hour shift, right? So you can't just schedule them for a two hour shift right in the middle there. Oh, were you trying to say something, Fred? I could barely hear you.
3: Well, uh, I had, I didn't uh, know when to speak. I'm so new at this, I don't know the rules. Can you hear me now?
0: The, the rules are yes. like radio. Just interrupt whenever you have something more important to say.
3: Well, if that were the case, I would be talking the whole
0: time. <laughs> no, I, I think wanted, we have a new host.
3: <laughs> I, I wanted, Well, I was. That's the thing. Um, I wanted to go back to Javier Millet, and someone said, I don't know who of the three of you, that he made a deal with other parties and somehow he was able to put them all together and that's how he won. Uh, no, I think I he made ask. that
0: suggestion, yes. Who did? MC. I think so.
3: What, uh, Richie Rich made it? Um, who, no, who H- made MC. MC did. Uh, okay. Um, now, I'll, I, I'm not challenging that. I just wanted to know how and where one could document that statement. How did you find out?
1: I will have to refer to Google or some other AI.
2: Yeah, I think it was uh, um I read it in Star Advertiser and the Economist. I think they talked about how he had a coalition of parties because what what they did be, because he was running uh you know several of them were running as a, opposition candidates and you have to get a certain percentage in order to get past the first round of elections. Mm-hmm. And so several parties dropped out in favor of coalescing with the one that was the most popular and had the best chance of defeating him. So some of them did drop out early on um, in a coalition with him, as I understand it. But that's, uh, it was, uh, I would say, The Economist magazine, almost any newspaper. I mean, if the Star Advertiser had it, it was on AP or whatever.
0: So, okay. So this is not Great. some conspiracy theory that you guys are espousing. This is documented somewhere that no. they have. yeah, yeah. Okay. I never believe anything
3: nowadays.
1: <laughs> the, yeah, yeah.
3: My biggest question is how the hell do you know if what they're claiming is true or not? Because there's some niche out there that will say, oh, no, it's not true and go into great depth and give you uh, five or six e- examples and links. And you have no idea. You don't have time to check it
0: all out. <laughs> you make time. Yeah, or, or, yeah, you make time. Trust your gut. So one of the things that happened early on, Um, was the Libertarians were very excited about Javier Malay, and then he won. And then the mainstream media came out and lambasted him, saying how he wasn't doing the things that he promised, and things were going in a different direction, and a handful of Libertarians you know, got up in arms, and I might have been included in that early on as well. Like, you know, he's not even doing the thing! Right? Um, And then someone else pointed out, like, how is it that for years or however long you've been doing this have you been crying out about how poorly you know how poor the mainstream media is at reporting the facts and yet when they report their facts on your guy you're so quick to believe them and i went yeah i guess that's a fair point you know if they they've been lying this whole time why would they now be telling the truth uh when you know when lying still fits their narrative about how bad malay is so I would suggest that as well, like you, you may not, you may not be able to verify uh, offhand, right, but age and experience and wisdom comes with a certain gut feeling um, that has either allowed you to prosper or has let you down in the past, and you can go either way on that. Yeah. right well, so it, it should be
1: be pretty easy to know who, who not to listen to. In this day and age, like anybody who would claim to be mainstream uh, probably don't listen to them. Well, yeah, but
0: again, that bec- that's because you, MC, have age and wisdom, right, and experience in that area of not believing the mainstream media, whereas...
3: Uh, I, there's a real great example of what you're talking about uh, on the net, and that is that Tucker Carlson's interview with uh, mass murderer Mikhail Putin... Uh, was criticized in depth by uh, another journalist. Um, I forget his name. Uh, he's, I think he's from India, but he's he's an American. And he just ripped him a new one. He he showed where he made errors. He showed where uh, he was just dead wrong. Where where he was naive, and that he just gave the whole thing to Putin. Yeah. And so, who do you trust? I, Uh, Well, I don't necessarily trust him, but I found that that was devastating because he documented it, and I like that. You know who I mean?
0: So here's another way that I've used uh, in my life, and it it came up a few months ago also with another podcast host and Tucker Carlson. Um, This other podcast host has been a big fan of Tucker Carlson. And mm-hmm. still somewhat remains a fan of Tucker Carlson, however, Tucker Carlson did a story on an event that occurred that this particular podcast ho- host had firsthand intimate knowledge of mm-hmm. like he knew the facts because he was there. Mm-hmm. And he comes on his podcast and goes like, "Fucking Tucker got it all wrong." Yes. And, I, and, and for, he got this wrong and this wrong, and he doesn't even know the facts about this, and he's, like, lying to you about this because I I know what was going on. <laughs> yeah. Right? And That's I go, like, well, now you was. have to extend that. Right? Yeah. For everything you don't know, you should also assume that Tucker Carlson is getting it all wrong. <laughs> right? If, if I someone do is, now. I do now. Well, yeah, it's, but if someone, if someone is wrong about something you have intimate knowledge of— Right, then they're probably also wrong about something you don't that someone else does, and they're screaming at the top of their lungs, like, He's fucking wrong. There right, you go. Yeah.
3: and so they're just wrong
1: that they have to T- be consistent Tucker, and right and in their lane. Tucker has, uh, has a long history of being wrong, which he is very ashamed of, and he, and he brings that up many times about you know the Iraq war and stuff like that. Uh, but he, he has an inability to say, what am I wrong about right now? Yeah. It's just, he's so popular that I think he, I, I think a, lo- a lot of things he he th- just thinks he's right because, well, everybody, everybody I'm around says I'm right. You know, it's kind of like a politician. Um,
0: I so- don't want to limit this to just Tucker Carlson, though. Like, pick your favorite talking news guy, right? And when they're wrong about something you're aware of, just assume they're wrong about all the other stuff, too. Because why would they only be wrong about something you know about?
3: Mm. Well, then all politicians are automatically wrong.
0: Uh, I'll accept that.
3: Yes. Yes, yes, they are. They're lying, stealing cheats, and some are mass murderers like Putin. Uh, And I never, I congratulate myself, because from the word go, I've never liked Tucker Carlson. I think he's a wimp, and he's wrong on so many issues. And he's, he's so soft on this mass murderer stud yeah. My, my well, first experience
0: with Tucker Carlson was when he was interviewing Jon Stewart. And Jon Stewart, for as wrong as he is, mm-hmm. right, kind of put Tucker Carlson in his place. When, when Tucker was interviewing, he's like, you were feeding the next generation false news. right? Mm-hmm. You're a comedy show pretending to be a news show. And Jon Stewart was like, I'm on a comedy network, and the show that follows mine is puppets." making crank phone calls. <laughs> like if you're coming to me for serious news, you're doing this wrong, right? Yeah. You can't take me seriously, I'm a comedian. And that kind of, you know, that was that was that was the the mic drop on Tucker's show because, you know, my generation grew up with the Daily Show, right? And that's we watched that because it was hilarious and you got a little bit of news in there. But it was never meant to be a news broadcast. It was a satire broadcast to make fun of the news. And Tucker was very upset about that at the time. Mm-hmm. But John well, Stewart, for as long as he they're, is... They're,
3: they're all just talking heads with opinions. Right. None of them attempt to say... I, w- I didn't either. When I was in the news, I said, I'm a libertarian. This is my attitude. And I didn't try to be unbiased. I'm biased for freedom. Yes. And I, and I made it plain from the beginning and I'm an atheist, I, all you mystics out there, you're wrong, and I'm right. And I, <laughs> and I said, look, if, if, if I, no matter how many people gang together and say two to is three, you're dead wrong, and here's why, and yeah. there's evidence. And that's the attitude I took, and I got away with it. Wouldn't you agree, Kenji?
2: <laughs> you got away with it. I mean, you had a popular
0: <laughs> sure. I had that conversation with my stepmom when I was in like elementary school. Yeah. She's like, Well, what if, what if you, what, what if the entire class disagrees with you on whatever topic? I went, Well, then they're all still wrong. <laughs> right. Like if, if I'm right, it does not matter how many people disagree with me, they can all still be wrong. That's um, Right. Agreed. And I've, I've made a, a lifestyle of being right most of the time.
3: Well, Barry Rothbard had a great line on that. He said he said uh, when I asked him about this, because he goes all around the country at the time giving speeches and all that. And, and some kid will come up to him and say, Professor, wh- what about in the local argument between so-and-so and, and, and the other people? And Rothbard would say, well, I'm, I'm from New York. And I don't know anything about your local arguments, but stick with principles and stick with what you know to be the truth. Yep. And, and if you're not sure, just say, well, I'm not sure. And it is likely that instead of saying it is that it is likely that given the facts I know. So you're clarifying yourself and you're not being a uh, someone who thinks he knows it all.
0: Yep. That's
3: and, and, wrong people, part.
0: and people will do that. You know, in in you know debate situations or in conversations, they'll say like, "Well, what if the scenario is this?" And I'll give them my opinion,
3: and they go, "Ha!"
0: But what if the scenario is this? And they change it as if it's a gotcha. Right? I'm like, well, then my opinion would change, right? Because my opinion is based on the information the facts I have at the time of presenting it, right? If you change the narrative, then it's possible that my opinion will change. The sure. circumstances have changed. I have more information. Right. And all of a sudden, I'm OK with giving you a different answer. OK, then let give me you ask a...
3: you. May I ask you all three in a question that you can answer? I think <clears throat> honestly, uh, I, I, w- I assume that all three of us, when we first heard that Javier Millet won and his real background and that he had dogs named after Milton and Murray, that this was a real exciting Uh, Event and we all had hopes for him and that's what I wrote in my blogs But but here's the question Um, Then we found out and just recently we saw uh, Javier Millet hugging the orange-haired Bloviard one and that just made me want to barf How did it affect you guys?
1: Uh, Not at all Um, so if if you go to other countries uh Trump uh, represents capitalism and so uh, it's uh I don't know how much Javier actually uh, appreciates Trump but he Trump rep- he, what he claimed to represent is being anti-establishment drain the swamp type of person now, we we know that he's not that person because well we live through it <laughs> but people around the world see how he's you know Trump is being uh mistreated and and lied about constantly. And so, Oh, he's such so, a
3: poor little person.
1: I'm not <laughs> saying he's a poor little person, but, uh, <laughs> that's, that's the impression that, that they get is that, you know, he's, it's that it's, it's that Trump is fighting the uphill battle because he's against the establishment. Uh, so that's, that's the only narrative that really matters to them. And, uh, and so hey, I, tr- Trump I, is.
3: I I understand you, and I I'm, I'm appreciative of your remarks. But I I I tend to feel that way myself. But on the other hand, he, he Malay is an established economics professor. He's written books. He should know better. He should be have more data than simply saying, don't, "Well, he represents capitalism." He, uh, he, I don't think he could be that dumb not to notice that. Uh, no, also, I, no, just I the think he does. Fact that he's got sixty-nine thousand lawsuits against him, and and, so, and women and all everything. He's just a slug. And why doesn't Millet know that? That's the question. He, he does know it. Well, why would he? Why would he hug him then? Because he's popular.
0: Optics. Well, with <laughs> yeah,
1: that, it's really, it's is. it's really simple. Trump is the most popular person in the world who represents uh, being anti-left. I wouldn't. I wouldn't
3: give him uh, anything. I would, if he was on, knocked at well, my I know, door. But... I would say, "Get out of my life! You're a you're a bore, and you're, you're I hate you." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I would say it publicly too. But but he's being strategic. Well, he's being
1: political. Is that what I, you're saying? Like like I said, I don't know how much it is strategic and political. Mm-hmm. But that's but popularity is what works. Trump is the most popular person in the world. If you want if you were in Argentina and you were said, hey, I have access to Trump, that would make you more powerful and more more uh, popular.
3: That's too bad. That's what I hate
1: about politics. So it's I'm, with the, I'm with you on That's the,
2: human nature. It's and it, not just it, politics. It's human nature.
1: But it doesn't matter. It, it's it's only a good thing. It can only make Javier more more powerful. It will not make Trump more powerful. <laughs> you know, I don't, want, I don't
3: want to make him more powerful. I want to make him more right. I want to well, make him win what he's doing. He's I want to he's,
1: he's already doing what's right, in my opinion. Oh, um, I think so too. Yeah. So, th- getting getting him more popularity is hel- helps him get the things he needs to get done and so what he's gonna do is show Trump how it's done and and people are gonna say hey Trump why don't you do what this guy's doing because it seems to be working
3: (laughs) Uh, well well, uh, one good thing that came of that is we know that Trump uh, likes the guy he commented that he wore a MAGA hat and the MAGA hat stood for make Argentina great again and and, and then a little bit later after that hug Javier Millet gave a speech at CPAC or whatever it's called, and he he kept—he he didn't modify or or, or uh, make uh, his libertarian remarks less libertarian. If anything, he was more hardcore than ever, and mm-hmm. I applaud that guy for that.
0: Right, and I, th- I think that that's what got the attention of libertarians and anarchists and anarcho-capitalists and voluntarists because he wore the costume, Right. And that's part of that's that's part of the letdown with him being now in the system, and he's addressed it, right? Mm -hmm. He said, "This is everything I said is the long-term goal, right?" I'm paraphrasing. Yes, I
3: understand you. Yes, and I agree with you. Right,
0: and so there are certain things that I can do right away, and certain things I have to set up to be done later. And so, if you don't see me doing certain things right away. Rest assured, I'm in the process of setting them up to be done later. Right? And they can't be done now because I'm, I am the president, but I'm still beholden to whatever legislature. And, you know, the opposition party is going to fight it all the way. So mm-hmm. I have to set this up for later. But trust me, I'm an ANCAP, I'm a libertarian, and I hate the left.
3: Tell me, do any of the three of you, have you heard any more about the 22 generals that Javier Millet fired
0: right away? Nothing.
1: No, but congrats, I guess. Yeah, see?
0: He did it right... The, the things he could do right away, he did.
1: Yes, I was
0: so right. damn proud of him. Except he doesn't speak English very well. He
3: doesn't so, have to. He's in Argentina. Well, I know that, but... uh So you have a translator. <laughs> uh, we ought to send Louis, my nephew, down there. huh? <laughs> so I have a nephew named Louis uh, that's pretty well known, and he's... He, He's not only bilingual; he's bicultural. He, no. And doesn't Doug Casey live down there too? You don't even need no,
0: it. They, they took his. They took his speech from the World Economic Forum, ran it through an AI filter, and had him speaking with his voice and his accent in English. It's, I
3: would like to hear that.
0: I'll go find it. It's it's on the internet. Okay,
3: because uh, I heard the original one, but yeah. you hear. You hear Javier speaking in Spanish and then the English guy speaking over him. Yeah. And it's kind of confusing, really.
0: Yeah. No, they, they ran it through a filter. It's available.
3: Uh, that's cool. That, so any, any that.
0: speech that he gives in Spanish, I don't know what the filter was, but theoretically you could just as easily convert that to English and have him sound like he's speaking English. I
3: mean a Spanish guy speaking in English?
0: <laughs> in his own voice, his
3: with his, his accent,
0: yeah. but Tare- in a language you can understand thanks to I technology. love the AI
3: <laughs> bring on the AI
2: <laughs> even even the voice and lip lips matched yep. I mean when I, when I was hearing the English, yes, the lips matched exactly the English he was saying. I was amazed at that that
3: is that's weird because some of those words are different. How would the lips
2: match because the I mean, AI like, figured it out yeah. No. They, yeah, I don't know how it's done, but it was remarkable. I saw that speech, yeah. The, the, the technology
1: has surpassed our, our little understanding. Which is also dangerous because now they can make Trump say whatever they want him to say. Yeah. <laughs> no, Even though he says a negative. lot of stupid things already. <laughs> well, you don't need anybody, to do it with Trump, they man. They can
3: make uh, the Pope look like he's a part-time porn star if they want
2: Well, he probably, probably what Just the next step is private distribution that when a speech is given it will be viewed and seen and heard tailored to each person receiving the you know viewing it in other I... words it, it will be different for every person yes. <laughs> yeah oh
0: my god that's that's horrifying i've got the <laughs> google nice translate to... app on my phone right if i'm ever with someone who doesn't speak english there's a mode on there where you just hold it up. They speak it. It translates it. You read the translation, and that's, you know. Oh, that's cool. This is small oh. stuff on my phone.
3: Hey, I got a funny uh, example of that. I'm going deaf, as Kenji knows quite well, to his – uh, uh, be- I've belabored him because I'm constantly telling him, say again, say slower. Right, Kenji? Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, and I I got this telephone device, which – It's like a regular telephone. I answer it, and then it prints out on this little form, this little screen, what the person on the other end is saying. Okay, it's a it's a a a text to um, speech to text, speech speech to text, and but it's 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 incompetent, especially on proper nouns. It always gets them wrong, and it ends up being hilarious because. (laughs) Like for instance, Lisa was talking, and she she called her sister, and 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 um, we, we watched this, and um, it, we it, it, she was inquiring about her niece, and her niece is named Katie Joe, K A T Y J O, and she, and Lisa said, "Is Katie Joe coming to the party?" And the damn AI thing wrote, "Oh no, I forgot the punchline." Uh, Boo! No, no, I got it. It's coming. Uh, Because I'm old, I'm dumb. Uh, It's it's, is is who's that that horrible uh, Muslim uh, cleric that was that was so important in in the Middle East a while back?
0: Oh, I have no idea. (laughs) Uh,
3: Who? Muhammad? (laughs) No, no, no. (laughs) What are you talking about? (laughs) This is a guy that it was real popular among all the Muslims of the world. Anyway. It translated to that guy's name, <laughs> so it sounded like Lisa was saying, "Is that is this horrible Muslim guy coming to your party?" Yeah. That's well, not, that's not, it happens over and over again.
0: I mean, the the, t- the technology has been around for a while because I remember, even in college, right? I thought it'd be nice to have like, or I, it came with something else I bought or whatever, but it was like the dragon. Naturally speaking, right? And I figured it might be easier to to type my papers up if I could just dictate to the computer it -hmm. didn't work it wasn't good then and it took too much time to correct all the errors Mm -hmm. Um, but at the same time i get i get visual voicemail on my phone right so if you leave me a voicemail the program the app the ai in the background will do the same thing it will translate the speech into text and send me a text message of what the voicemail supposedly said
3: Yes, right. and if it, when they hit proper nouns, they're frequently wrong.
0: And that's fine because I can get the gist of the message. And if, yes. it's, if it's worth listening to the voicemail, I will go listen to it for clarification, mm-hmm. right? But if I can get the gist of the message without, you know, going into the app, then it's it's of utmost convenience because it's one less step for me.
3: Um, and it's where, only going to improve. Where That's true. Where are you from,
0: Rich. Uh, born and raised in Hawaii, but I'm now in Manchester, New Hampshire.
3: Oh how how long did you live in Hawaii? Uh,
0: well, off and on for thirty some odd years. Because you don't have any regional accent. I know,
3: right? That Hawaii doesn't create one. It, it doesn't say, affect me. Well, hey, hey, hey bro. Yep. You like?
0: <laughs> nope. <laughs> that was, that was stamped out by my dad early on. Oh. Uh, and my, so it never my, developed, and if I try to affect it, it sounds weird.
3: Yeah, <laughs> my kids all learned local speech. And, and they would say, Eh, hey, owe you money, what?
0: <laughs> yep. You remember that line? I mean, it, I, I don't know that particular line, but yeah. You know, it was, <laughs> it, it's, it was weird. I, I was there last week for my sister's wedding, mm. um, and all of my family talks like that. And I just don't
3: really that yeah. They have kind of an insertion of local Stuff
0: Well they're also born and raised there Right so but they never left And all my uncles talk like that So they never had it stamped out of them Like my dad did me
1: mm. it's, I, a, well, it's
0: amazing I, how much like My cousins sound like their fathers Or their mothers
3: I know that, that When they don't bother to even correct anything It, it yep. happens that way Yeah
0: well, does it uh, need to be corrected or is it just a local dialect?
3: Well, I don't, I think it does because uh, I think t- the English language, the words are tools and the more and better you use them, the, the more and better you, your, your thinking process is and your logic and all that. So yeah. uh, and my wife and I had three kids and they, they were, well, she was a very bright Howley and, and Uh, And uh, I was into correct speech. And so they all ended up speaking proper English.
0: So I was listening to another podcast yesterday, and they were talking about the English language as well. And the suggestion was made that the English language is insufficient for much of communications because it, it is mercantile and transactional in nature. Oh, that's
3: crap. Tell me. Why is it the world? Well, it's, it's mercantile and useful. It's world all over the world and used at airports. If you speak English, you can fly all over. Understood.
0: The world. But there, there are some concepts that are above and beyond mercantile and transactional. Well, right. What's,
3: but what language is better?
0: I don't know. I don't. I don't know if there was if there was, an, if there was a, an expression that a language was better, but that English was insufficient to address all the concepts that exist in humanity.
3: Well, I would then say uh, with equal uh, uh, sim- uh, sincerity that the only language is Italian if you like opera. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Kenji and, and <laughs> Matthew, are we boring you?
2: Not at all.
0: No. <laughs> I mean, it's okay to have that opinion, right? But coming from an English speaker, right, you probably think that yours is best. Especially in America, well, no, I, 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 I I've, I've analyzed it all my life. Okay. And early
3: on, I wanted to be an opera, and then, then I had to settle for radio and television, which is a couple rungs down. But anyway, <laughs> to I wanted to be able to communicate precisely, and I think the English language, as far as I know, is wonderful for doing that. And many of the literary people I've read seem to come to the same conclusion
0: okay i've I've heard the claim that you know it's it's not necessarily the language but just the phonetics
3: the phonetics right uh, why why would that be
0: uh, because you can because because the English language is based on phonics, uh, you can build words on top of other words that didn't necessarily exist before like a portmanteau, and people will understand what you're getting at. Uh, because of the Phoenician language base.
3: Well, being such a which you can't do with like Asian dialects. I, I wouldn't be able to make that comparison because I don't speak any Asian dialects or or any. Uh, I don't speak French well. I speak a little Spanish, and that's yeah. it. And, well, and even the Spanish say they like to swear in English because it has more impact.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, even even more reason why you know y- your preferential language is English. Right? Like, I don't care. You know, people always bring up the fact, like, you yeah, know, if the Nazis had won, you'd be speaking German. Like, I don't think that would bother me because German would be my first language, right? Mm. Like, what would I, how would that impact me? Like, would I be upset that I'm speaking German instead of English? No, I would just be a German speaker and it <laughs> wouldn't, would know not the difference. And I think it's similar in this case as an English speaker, right? <laughs> it's, it's what you know, it's what you grew up with. There's no other languages that work for you. And part of that is because this is, this is what you've known for however long you've been alive. But if you had grown up bilingual, right, or in another culture, that language would work for you. And you would mm-hmm. figure it out. And English would be weird and difficult. Because for foreigners, it's weird and fucking difficult. Because the <laughs> rules don't always apply and they don't always make sense. And you have extra letters that don't make sense. Right. Oh, this is the silent Q or whatever it is in the middle of a word, right? It's like the Germans pronounce the word B-O-M-B as bomb, And they, they pronounce
3: this, the uh, B at the end of the word.
0: Yeah, who cares? <laughs>
3: yes.
0: We stick a P at the front of pterodactyl, and then we don't pronounce it. Why?
3: That's right. Why? I always wondered about that. It makes it confusing as all hell to, for people that are trying to learn the language. Right. So
0: why would that even yeah. be the best when you already know it's confusing for newcomers?
3: Well, but, because I came to it later, and, and there's so much rich literature available. Yeah. That's why.
0: Well, when you conquer and, the entire planet, you're going to, you, you know, that'll happen. What, what did you say that,
3: that this criticism was? It was, it was merely uh, mercantile. And mercantile
0: and transactional.
3: Although what does transactional imply? When, a, when used talking about a language.
0: Uh, that we think in terms of trades and economic values.
3: Well, that's mercantile.
0: That, that's why he said mercantile.
3: Oh, it's just two words for the same thing?
0: Fucking welcome to English, man.
3: <laughs> uh, it's like doctors saying, oh, the cancer is metast- metastasizing. That's five syllables. To, yep. Instead of saying the word "spread," yep, right,
0: yep. But if you you know if you, if you watch like the Dead Poet Society, right, the, whatever the professor's name or the teacher's name in that one, you know,
3: Robin Williams. Well, <laughs> I, I know
0: who the actor was. I don't remember the character's name. I uh, don't either. But you know, made the comment of the the beauty of the language because it has more words that mean the same thing, and that adds an extra layer of poetry, right, to the language itself.
3: Yeah. That's right. We have a word, uh, a, a dead cow is the same as, uh, 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 what's that fancy part of the steak that's so expensive?
0: The filet? Uh, uh, yes. Uh, say it again slower. Filet mignon. Yes.
3: We, would you like a filet mignon, monsieur? Or hey, you want some dead steak? Big difference. Yep. Same thing. I, uh, I
0: or as George this. Bush said, the problem with the French is they don't have the word for entrepreneur.
3: <laughs> that's a good line. that's the first time I heard it and I hate it you know, you know the senior Bush the senior Bush the guy that was the pilot in World War II uh, he was interviewed by a uh, journalist at O'Hare Airport uh, many years ago and the, the, the journalist said well what about the atheist vote and he said atheists those fuckers have no rights at all that's what he said. All right. Oh, I hate that man. I think he's just... Is, is, is someone calling in?
0: Nope. Not on my screen. That is just someone's <laughs> phone ringing in that's the background. That's
3: your phone. <laughs> oh, maybe someone's calling my phone. Anyway. yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so, I, I was unable to get this whole show on my big computer. I have it only on my cell phone.
0: That's how it works. That's, that's the way Clubhouse works.
3: I, I, you mean I can't put it on my big my big computer?
0: Nope. Why not? Because that's oh, no. the way Clubhouse works. <laughs> because our chosen platform doesn't support it.
1: We we can we can switch to Twitter or X. Uh, maybe that will work. I don't know how reliable they are, but we've had no really issues with this. It's just yeah, uh, getting getting people on and you know clicking the right buttons. We we have we have been
0: on multiple platforms through the history of this show. Um, and this is the one we're on currently because it seems to suit our needs the best and When that changes or if that needs to change then we're fine switching. But right now This is it um, Like I'm sitting in front of my computer, right? Be- because MC has provided me with the uh, abundance of equipment I'm recording the show on my computer. Everything's run through a mixer. I've got you know, the professional microphone some cheapo earbuds um, mm. and my, my phone is simply plugged into the mixer and everything else is run off the computer. Oh, I see. So, so if well, you wanted to sit there and do that, right, then I would talk with MC and KS over there and see if they can set you up with proper hardware. Uh, well, no, I'm not that hardcore. Okay. Uh, I'm, this is fine,
3: except I was hoping I, we could make this a video. I would like to see who I speak to. Uh, uh, it, I see three pictures, rich matthew and fred where's kenji uh
1: he's he's part of uh matthew he he's uh he joined <laughs> Wait, say again please uh he, he's in the room with me and so he's coming up under matthew
0: oh i see yeah well and, and you uh, don't want to do video man because i'm half naked and sitting in my living room
3: well, I don't, I don't care what we, well, in that case, maybe <laughs> not, but it, it, most of the time it just shows faces. Yeah. Like I have a, a brother. I have an, he's 86 years old. He loves to talk FaceTime. Yeah. And I find that, that, that most people don't like FaceTime for one reason or another.
1: Yeah. So what, what we need to do is I mean, have a, AI make the video real time. With, there you go. Uh, b- beautiful women, uh, and, and uh, and they can be naked
3: all they want. To, yeah.
0: I me. think one of the weirdest things about audio productions is the fact that they feel the need to do video, and then it's just like three guys sitting around a table <laughs> with microphones, <laughs> like no one gives well, a shit.
3: <laughs> well, yes, I was when I was early in radio. Uh, they said you got a good face for radio, but <laughs> you're ugly.
0: Yeah, <laughs> like, but now you need one because all the radio, sh- all the you know, all the radio shows do a live feed of the video. Well, right, but they we do it on Free Radio. Talk Live. Alex Jones does it.
3: Radio is the, uh, it's, it's, the it's, it's the, what is the word? It's the venue <laughs> for the imagination. You, you just hear sounds and therefore you imagine what the other person looks like. And, 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 and you can create in your head all sorts of good things while yeah. you saw him. Oh my god, this guy's ugly. <laughs> and, and the
0: problem with that is people also are more intimate with radio, right, because it goes straight into the brain cavity, and so they imagine that they've developed real relationships with radio hosts. Well, <laughs> And I will say, uh, you know, I, I'm a co-host on Free Talk Live. Uh, one of the most disappointing things about that particular gig um, is I expected more groupies, and that did not turn out to be the case. <laughs> Oh my well, God, you're Richie Rich. Nope. Never happened. Maybe, Not even once. Maybe
3: you just have to be kind of dumb and go along with the crowd. And then, Oh, I like that guy. I identify with that guy. Well,
0: that's what they do. That's why they call in. Cause we say things that resonate with other people. Right. Mm. Uh, I, I, I don't resonate yeah. with most people. Cause I consider myself like at least one or two levels above generally. Um, uh, but then, catch up. Wh-
3: how do you feel that when you miss when you meet someone who obviously knows more than you, do you back down or you try to compete with him?
0: Uh, depends on the topic. Right. Like I, I, as I noted earlier in this show, I don't care too much about history and I hmm. don't care too much about history, partially because I don't care about history. Um, but I also I try to base my arguments on principle rather than doing libertarian homework, right? Because what what, what status and anti-libertarian people will do when you engage them is they'll say something and the libertarian will run off, right, to do research and collect data and then come back go, aha, <laughs> I have proven my point and here is the proof and then they will throw up another obstacle, mm-hmm. right? And I, I don't give a shit about overcoming all their obstacles and my only goal is to redirect the conversation towards principle.
3: well the problem with that is uh, it, it's good and I, I, I approve of principle but it, 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 it imagine if you could have both uh, like Rothbard uh, he, well, I, I forgot whether it's Rothbard or Friedman they said uh, I think it was Milton Friedman he, when when worried about uh, how fast you should get rid of bureaucracies like the very question that that uh, Millet is faced with is how to in the real world and in what order and which bureaucracies and how fast can he cut without causing too much of a stir yeah and there's a great historical example of it and that is in solid black and white you can look it up and and uh, it was after world war ii the united states had about 14 million people 12 of which were wearing uniforms and about two more million were working for the government as civilians. How fast should they be unemployed, taken and put back into the private sector? And the the liberals of the day argued that, Oh, we should take two or three years. And of course, all these horny GI's said, no way. I want to get back to my wife and my life and create babies. And so um, that, that attitude won. So they 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 discharged about 13 million people into the economy within about a year and a half. And the liberals said, oh, you'll have the Great Depression back again. They'll all be walking the streets. Instead, they had 15 years of a great economic boom yeah. because they had they had relatively free markets to work with and they got rid of all the war, most of the wartime controls. So there's a precedent for it. It's not just a matter of principle, but you could say to your opponent, "It can be done."
0: Sure, and I, but I've also heard someone else say that if if the button to end the state were lodged in my head, I would push it with a bullet.
3: That's that's Murray Rothbard. He'd blister his thumb pressing that button.
0: <laughs> that's I'm, that's how quick for me. And, yeah, me too. And and the oh, the, and the, the principle. principle behind that. Right? Yeah. It's like, why do we need to taper off the end of slavery? Just end it.
3: Exactly. Is there such a thing as the kind
0: slave owner? You want you want to keep people enslaved longer than necessary? What is wrong <laughs> with you?
2: Well, I well, face that all the time because people are saying that about immigration. Oh, but it, you can't allow people to just flood in. Yeah. Well, but I think, yes, you can. You allow freedom. And yep. i Hong Kong did it. Their population went from two million to seven million, and they became the most prosperous uh, uh, place on the planet. But more, more prosperous. I mean, more prosperous than the United States per capita. I know. Can yeah. he,
3: could you repeat which country you're talking about? Hong Kong. Oh, Hong Kong. Yeah, yeah. So there you go. All those right.
2: people who were desperate to leave China and from leaving Vietnam, if they could get past the guards who were. Preventing them from leaving, they, they were home free. Well, until later in the 80s, then they started to put up their own migration controls because of the same kind of panic. Oh, too many people. But people are the greatest human resource. You put a lot of them together, and they produce more and more wealth.
0: And so I, I leave it to people like KS and Murray Rothbard and Milton Friedman to provide those examples. Yes. Right. Like, yes. I, I stick to principle. If you want historical analysis, go somewhere else. Well, no, just to add
3: both. It's it's great to
0: have both. uh, Because my time is valuable, Fred, and I'm not going to waste it studying all this research that someone else has already done. The best you're going to get from me is, like, go listen to Milton Friedman and Murray Rothbard because they've already (laughs) said it, and they've said (laughs) it better, right? If that's what you need, the example already exists. I don't need to reinvent the wheel.
2: One of my favorite examples of Murray Rothbard, I... Was there in Eugene, Oregon, in 1976 when he was giving seminars about um, with the Cato Institute at that time, and uh, no, 1979 actually was, and I remember him uh, saying that he was being interviewed by a guy who was excited at this great news that um, that the. Um, Uh, you know, the Soviet Union had just invaded Iran and the CIA was uh, sending uh, weapons and materials and all to help them uh, fight the Soviet Union um, to help the Mujahideen. And aren't you in favor of this, said the interviewer from this newspaper. And Murray said, no, uh, the US government shouldn't be sending that stuff to anybody. I said, well, why? Don't you favor helping the uh, uh, the underdog to defeat the Soviets? And he says, how do you know the next guys aren't going to be worse? <laughs> and frankly, I think that, that he was right about that.
3: That's exactly right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> yes, yes.
3: He was He was a hell of a guy. I liked him very much. And remember when he came to Hawaii? Were you there when he came to Hawaii for that week and he spoke at the Libertarian uh, Convention? Uh, it,
2: it was after 79 that I was, yeah. All right.
3: Uh, well, what, did you happen to remember? Actually, him? Uh, the, well,
2: frankly, I, I, I remember Roy, Child, Roy Childs being at that, but I don't remember.
3: Mm, well, a whole bunch of good, good guys were there. Uh, Walter Williams was there. Okay, uh,
2: then, yeah, I think I do recall. Well, I mean, I do remember Walter Williams and Roy Childs, um, Jeffrey Hummel.
3: Uh, <laughs> he had so many <laughs> funny lines. He, I, I invented, a, uh, I introduced him for his speech at the, the, he gave the keynote speech at that convention. And it was at the Alamana Hotel. And so I invented this kind of paragraph where I used all of of Murray's well-known cliches. And I I spoke uh, Rothbardese. I said, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to become Murray for uh, one paragraph. And then I, I, I went through this paragraph, not one laugh. Not one bit of understanding and and Murray, I looked at Murray and I said, "Well, I'm sorry." he said, and he looked at me and said quietly, "Those bums don't read."
0: <laughs> there you go. Final. We're gonna wrap it up there. Final thoughts. Live long and prosper." Alright, that'll do it for Be us good. then. You guys know where to find us anarchistexperience.com on telegram t.me slash anarchistexperience or t.me slash experience. and if you would like to contribute to this show financially you can do so through Patreon patreon.com slash theanarchistexperience Thank you very much for listening and we'll talk to you all next week. Peace. Aloha.
3: Aloha. <laughs>